This is Getting to Know Your Bible, a program dedicated to the proclaiming of the good news of Jesus Christ. Here's Billy Lambert. It is a pleasure to be with you today on Getting to Know Your Bible. We do appreciate those of you who are watching today, and we want you to stay tuned today as we discuss the topic, Only One. Only One. Now today on our telecast, we're still offering the free Bible Correspondence Course. I'd like to emphasize that it is free, uh, and, and some people have a hard time really believing that we offer something free because most times on broadcast you have to pay for what you receive. But may I assure you this is free. We want you to have it in order that you might know a little bit more about the course and that you might know how you can receive the free course. Let's pause for just a moment. To help you in your study of the Bible, we want to send you this Bible Correspondence Course. This course is non-denominational. It's based on the Bible. It's conducted by mail, and it's free. To receive this course, write to Getting to Know Your Bible, Post Office Box 314, Somerdale, Alabama, 36580. Or call toll-free 1-877-711-5214. The book of Isaiah is one of the great books of prophecy of the Old Testament. There's so much in the book of Isaiah about Jesus Christ. In the uh, seventh chapter, there's a prophecy about Jesus' birth. In the ninth chapter, there's another prophecy about Jesus Christ and, and uh, the names that he would be referred to, called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, and the like. In the 53rd chapter, there is a, a chapter composed of some 12 verses that are about Jesus, his life, his rejection, his death, and his exaltation. And so it's a great book. But when we come to chapter 55, we, we are, have our attention turned to God and to the might of God Almighty. And I want to read from that chapter, from Isaiah chapter 55, beginning in verse number 6. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call ye upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way, and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return unto the Lord, and he will have mercy upon him, and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. For as the rain cometh down and the snow from heaven, and returneth not thither, but watereth the earth, and maketh it bring forth in bud, that it may give seed to the sower, and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void but it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing whereunto I sent it. This is a great reading from the book of Isaiah. 
And this text suggests that God's way in every respect is so far beyond anything that man can think or that man can do. Notice especially verse 8 and verse 9. My thoughts are not your thoughts. In other words, you think one way, but I think another way. And your ways are not my ways. You have your way of doing things, but I have my way, says the Lord. He says, just like the heavens are higher than the earth, my ways are higher than your ways. My thoughts are higher than your thoughts. So this suggests that God's way is, is the only one that's right for man. His way is the right way. It is the best way as well. You know, in Jeremiah 10, verse 23, Jeremiah said, O Lord, I know the way of man is not in himself. Now, in our modern times, many people think the way of man is in himself. They, they think that they are self-sufficient. But then, in our uh, struggling to become self-sufficient, the world is not better, but I believe the world is worse. And Jeremiah said the way of man is not in himself. It is not in man that walketh to direct his steps. When we think we can direct ourselves, that all we need is self, then we are in trouble. Man needs help from above. He needs God's help. Well, someone says, well, I believe that what I'm doing is okay. I believe the way that I live my life is the way I want to live my life, and it's all right. Well, Solomon said in Proverbs chapter 14, verse 12, there is a way that seemeth right unto a man, but the ends thereof are the ways of death. And so God's way is the only way that's right for man. It's the best way for man. Well, someone says that's an awfully narrow uh, concept to suggest that there's only one, and that's God's way. Only one way. Well, truth has always been narrow. Truth is narrow in every aspect of our lives. It is narrow in music. Suppose you were to send your child to a music teacher and you want that teacher to teach your child how to play the piano. And I can remember my uh, mother and dad sending me to take piano lessons when I was just a small boy and I suppose they thought they were going to uh, make a musician out of me, but the money that they spent over that period of about three years was down the drain because I had rather play football or play baseball in those days than play on a piano. But nonetheless, I went to the take the lessons. Now, suppose you sent your child to take the lessons and the teacher is explaining the, the notes on the piano, the scale in music, and then for some reason you have to move. Maybe you get a transfer to another part of the country and you want to get your child enroll, enrolled again in music lessons. You would not expect that teacher to teach a different notes on the piano and to teach a different scale in music than the teacher where you had previously lived. No, no, 
Because you see, in the realm of music, there are some things that are all alike. And regardless of what kind of music you might like, the style of music that you might like, the, 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 the notes are all the same. They may be arranged differently, and you may have a different tune uh, from song to song and from different kinds of music to one to another, but the notes are all the same. You see, in the music field, there's only one way, and that's settled, and it's truth. Uh, and, and someone says, well, I don't believe in absolute truth. I think it's relative. I'm not sure that you can even be sure that something is true. Well, let me ask you, are you really sure about that? If you're sure that you can't be sure that absolute truth exists because you have stated an absolute truth and the absolute truth you have stated is that you cannot be sure. You see, truth does exist. In Romans, the third chapter in verse 4, Paul said, Let God be true and every man a liar. Whatever God says is true and no man has been God's counselor and no man has been God's advisor, according to Romans chapter 11 and verse 34. God knows more than we know. He knows better than we know. And we need to adhere to his way. Jeremiah 6 and verse 16 says, Stand ye in the ways and see, and ask for the old paths wherein is the good way, and walk therein, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. And he's not talking about the way that we did things back in 1940s or the 1950s or the 1960s. No, no. When he talks about that good way, he's talking about God's way. Only one. There's only one God, as we observed in a, a previous telecast. In Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 6, the Bible says there is one God who is above all, through all and in you all, only one. There's not one God for you, one God for me. There's one God for us all, just one. And that's the God in whom we live, in whom we move, and whom we have our being. And it is the God that, to whom one day we must give an account of ourselves, 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse number 10. But may we observe there's only one Savior. Only one. Some people say, well, we have many Saviors. You have your Savior. You have your way. I have my Savior. I have my way. I want to call your attention to a passage in the book of Acts, chapter 4 and verse number 12. Neither is there salvation and any other. For there is no other name under heaven given among men whereby you must be saved. You know what that's telling us? There's only one way of salvation. There's only one Savior, and that one Savior is the Lord Jesus Christ. There is no man or woman on the face of the earth that is our Savior. Jesus is our Savior. 
In 1 John 4, 14, the Bible says the Father sent him to be the Savior of the world. And he is the Savior of the world. Not a Savior, the Savior, the only Savior. There is only one. John Newton once said, I'm an old man, and I don't remember many things, but I remember two things. I am a great sinner, and Jesus is a great Savior. Friends, the reason Jesus came into the world was to save. In Luke 19 and verse 10, the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which is lost. And he wants to save you. There is only one Savior. I want to tell you that you're not going to be saved because you have religious relatives. I think some people think because they have ancestors or they have close family members today that are religious and they maybe have a close walk with God that they're going to be saved. Ancestor is not going to save you. Morality is not going to save you. I, I want to encourage you to live a good moral life. I, I think all people should go, live a good moral life. But a person can live a good moral life and still not be saved. Cornelius is an example of that. He was a good moral man. He even feared God. He was a man who prayed to God. He was a man who had a generous attitude in helping people that were in need. But Cornelius needed Jesus Christ. He needed the Savior. You see, morality is not going to save our souls. It will take the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ to do that. The only way that leads home is the way of the cross. I want you to listen to Jesus in John chapter 14 and verse 6. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Je Jesus did not say that I am one of the many ways, but rather Jesus said, I am the way. I am the truth. And I am the life. Without Jesus, there's no going. Without Jesus, there is no truth. Without Jesus, there is no living. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And he said, you cannot come to the Father unless you come by me. In John chapter 10 and verse 9, Jesus said, I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and shall find pasture. You see, Jesus Christ is the Savior, and we must enter in that door, Christ, to be saved. Why to enter in that door? We, we believe in Him. Jesus said, except you believe that I am He, you're going to die in your sins in John 8, 24. We must be willing to turn from the sin in our life, because Jesus taught that. In Luke chapter 13, verse 3, as well as verse 5, Jesus said, except you repent, you're going to perish. We believe in Him, repent of our sins. We need to be willing to acknowledge our faith in Him. 
And Jesus said, Whosoever shall confess me before men, him will I confess before my Father which is in heaven. And then as a penitent confessing believer to enter into that door, enter into Christ, we are to be baptized. Galatians 3, verse 27. Listen to it carefully, please. Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Christ did put on Christ. We enter Christ as a believer, as a penitent believer, as a penitent confessing believer when we're baptized. Our Lord said, He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. Friends, Jesus is the Savior. He's not one of many. Jesus Christ only one. Friends, there's only one message. Only one message. There's one gospel. Just one gospel. It's called Christ gospel. And that's the message. And given the Great Commission according to Matthew's account, or Mark's account rather, Jesus said, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel. Preach the gospel to every creature. Why, why do you suppose he said, preach the gospel? And when he said, preach the gospel, what did he mean? And what do we preach? Well, I learned that by reading from the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 15. When he wrote, beginning in the first verse, Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel, which also you have received, and wherein you stand, and by which you're saved. If you keep in memory what I preached unto you, lest you believed in vain. For I delivered unto you, first of all, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scripture, and that he was buried, that he arose again the third day according to the Scripture. Paul said, I preached the gospel to you. Jesus said, go preach the gospel. Paul did what Jesus said for him to do. He preached the gospel. And he preached about Jesus' life, his death, his burial, his resurrection. And those things had been predicted in the Old Testament. He preached it according to the scriptures. And Jesus Christ died, was buried, and arose the third day according to prophecy. He fulfilled prophecy. Paul preached that. But someone says, I thought that Jesus said, He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. How do you obey the gospel? Well, that's a fair question. How did the people in Corinth obey the gospel that Paul preached to them? When he preached about the death and the burial and the resurrection of Christ, how did they obey the gospel? In Acts the 18th chapter and verse 8, we learn about the conversion of the people in Corinth. And the Bible in that verse says, Many of the Corinthians, hearing, believed, and were baptized. They heard the gospel, they believed the gospel, and upon hearing and believing the gospel, they were baptized. They did like the people in Samaria did in Acts the 8th chapter and verse 12. And they, when they believed Philip preaching the things concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized. 
So the Corinthians heard the gospel, believed the gospel, and were baptized. That's how they were saved by the gospel Paul preached. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 1 through 4. There's just one gospel. That's Jesus' gospel. And his gospel is powerful. Listen to Romans 1, verse 16. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. The gospel saves. It saves us when we obey the gospel. And there's only one gospel. Now suppose you have five men. And all of these men claim to be preachers. And all of them say they believe in Jesus. And all of them say they believe the Bible. But when it comes to preaching the Bible, they all preach something different about what one must do to be saved. Now, is that a fault of the Bible? Or is that a fault of the man? For example, here's one man who takes the Bible and he says, I believe that all a person must do to be saved is just fall down right where they are and call out, Lord, Lord. Lord, save me. Another says, I think that all a person must do is to have an experience of grace. And if they have that experience of grace and they have that feeling that is better felt than told, then they will, they will know that they're one of God's elect that God has chosen them and picked them out by name to be saved. But if they don't have that experience, they'll know they're among the non-elect and they're destined to be lost. And another will say, well, you know, I, this is what I think. I think that all a person must do is just believe on the Lord Jesus and say, Lord, come into my heart, Lord. Just come into my heart right now and you're going to be saved. And another says, I think all you have to do is you just put your hand on the television screen and you put your hand on my hand and you pray along with me and, and then you're going to repeat the sinner's prayer and then the Lord is going to save you. Now you know and I know and the people of the world know that we have preachers that are telling people things like that. Now why, why do we have different messages coming from men that use the same book. Well, the fault lies not with the book. The fault lies when people began to put their I think, I feel, it's my opinion into it, and then they began to teach things you cannot read in the Bible. One day, Billy Lambert is going to stand before God in the judgment. And I'm going to have to give an account to God for what I've preached and how I've preached it. And I want to stand there as one who has stood upon the Word of God. I don't want to be dogmatic about it. I just want to speak where the Bible speaks. I want to be silent where the Bible is silent. I want to say things that God says and leave off what He doesn't say. And I know that when the Corinthians were saved, they heard the gospel. They believed the gospel, and they were baptized. 
Someone says, why do you suppose they were baptized? Well, in giving the Great Commission, Jesus said, go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. That's in Matthew 28, verses 19 and 20. He said, go teach the gospel and baptize the people you teach. And in Mark's account, he said, go in all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And he that believeth, that is, he that believes the gospel and is baptized shall be saved. Friends, that's what the Bible teaches. I know that all men don't teach that. I'm aware of that. I'm not concerned about what some man might say. And it's really not what Billy Lambert says that's important. It's what God says in his word. There's only one message, one gospel. And we dare not change that gospel. In Galatians, the first chapter, in verse 8, Paul said, Though we are in heaven, an angel from heaven, preach any other gospel unto you than that which you have preached. Let him be accursed. As I said before, so say I now again, if any man preach any other gospel unto you than that you have received, let him be accursed. I dare not change the gospel. I, I just need to preach the plain, simple, unadulterated message of Jesus and his love. Oh, Jesus loved us. There's just only one God, one Savior, one message to save the world. And Paul preached that message in 1 Corinthians 9, he said, Woe is unto me if I preach not the gospel. Paul preached the gospel. And when men preach the gospel, people are going to be saved. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, Paul talked about the preaching of Christ. And he preached the gospel. And when he preached the gospel, men and women rendered obedience to it. They were saved. Would you do that today? Would you obey Jesus today? Let him become your Savior. Live in obedience to the one God of heaven. I want to thank you for watching today. And in the closing moments, may I give you a personal invitation to visit the Church of Christ in your community and also right now, without any hesitation on your part, pick up the telephone, call for the free Bible correspondence course, or if you prefer, you can take the course online, and we have that information that's been on the screen as well. I want to thank you for watching, and until we meet again, may the Lord bless you and keep you, is my prayer. From my very first day at Faulkner, it's been an incredible experience. There's so much to do around campus, and I know that I've made friends that will last a lifetime. I love using my iPad in my classes. I feel really prepared for the future. Plus, the use of e-text helps me cut costs on textbooks. At Faulkner University, we seek to educate the whole person, including mind, spirit, and soul. That's what makes us different from most other universities. Visit our website today to see what Faulkner has for you. Getting to Know Your Bible has been presented by Churches of Christ. If you have a question about the church or if you would like the location of a Church of Christ near you, 
or to receive the free Bible course, write to Getting to Know Your Bible, Post Office Box 314, Somerdale, Alabama 36580, or call 1-877-711-5214. Join us next time for Getting to Know Your Bible.